This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN. ESPN, 800-919-3776 is the telephone number. And basketball has certainly been topic of conversation for most of the night so far. We'll keep it going now with our next guest. He is, of course, the author of the best-selling book titled Straight Shooter. You can purchase that wherever you get your books, Amazon, the old brick-and-mortar places, the whole nine yards. You also see him all over the place on uh, ESPN platforms. He is our good buddy, Stephen A. Smith. How are you, my friend? Cut off. You got you, buddy? Yeah, you got me, Dan? I got you, my friend. Long time no chat. How's things? I'm doing great, man. How you doing? I'm good. Congratulations on the success of the book. Is there a uh, is there an audio yeah, version yet? Yeah, they said the book is a New York Times bestseller, and they said the audio book is number eight on the New York Times bestsellers list as well. So wow. I've been very blessed and fortunate. I certainly didn't see all of that coming, but it's here. No doubt about it. Well, continued success. I got to get a copy of it. I you didn't send me a copy. I thought I was going to get one. We're buddies. I, we go back. Text text me your address and it'll be in the mail for you tomorrow love you you know i'll do that um so kyrie irving yeah that that's a thing again how surprised are you not at all um i i i compare him to the dallas cowboys just take your time just wait (laughs) it's coming um it's coming and that's exactly what transpired here i thought it was um an incredibly idiotic move on his part i'm not calling him an idiot i'm saying this move was idiotic and the reason I say that is because we all know how great he is as a basketball player. His talent speaks for itself. And he's box office. The question, the reticence, the apprehension about him continuously has evolved around whether or not he can be trusted. Could he go through a season without causing distractions? Could he go through a season without some form of drama? Now, we know what happened early in the year with the retweeting of the film that was considered anti-Semitic and all of that. We got all of that. But that has subsided dramatically. And over the last 20 games or so before Kevin Durant went down, they were 18-2. and two. They were number two seed in the Eastern Conference. And even with Kevin Durant down, they were 4-7 and seven, and still a top four team in the Eastern Conference with Kevin Durant scheduled to come back any week now. And you pick now and say you want to get traded. So once again, it's the same old, same old. He wants a lengthy contract extension around $200 million, $198 million, $212 million over four years. He wants somebody to make that investment in him. He knew damn well the Brooklyn Nets were not about to do that at this particular moment in time. So he made this demand because he knew it wouldn't be met. And as a result, he could demand a trade without looking like the villain. And that's exactly what he's doing in this situation. I could see it clear as day. But let's take a step back here. There's 29 other teams, apart from the Brooklyn Nets in the NBA. What team in their right mind, which is still able to witness all of his shenanigans from afar, would ever be compelled to give this guy a max contract like he's looking for, given everything that he has put the Nets through? Well, I can tell you that Phoenix would consider it because their new ownership group um, is counseled by Isaiah Thomas who's very, very high on Kyrie Irving, very close to Kyrie Irving, I would tell you that the Los Angeles Lakers would do it out of sheer desperation because LeBron James and Anthony Davis would desperately want that, and they know he would be an upgrade to Russell Westbrook. I can tell you that 
the Dallas Mavericks would consider something, but they don't have enough to give. Minnesota may not be interested in giving him that contract, but who knows what they would be willing to do to unload Carl Anthony Towns because even though Rudy Gobert and that experiment hasn't worked out well, it's primarily due to the fact that him and Carl Anthony Towns struggled to play together. Carl Anthony Towns' staff was gone, and you had a backcourt of Anthony Edwards and Kyrie Irving. Those are things that would be taken into consideration. <clears throat> but you are right. It does come down to the level of trust that an organization would want to place in him. Right. And that's why I thought this move was idiotic. Because if he had just played the rest of the season, shut his mouth, played, and Brooklyn went deep into the playoffs, and he was every bit as spectacular as he has been, there might have been somebody willing to take the chance. But now that he's taken this position, I find it hard to believe that any ownership group is going to feel comfortable taking that risk and making that investment in him. But you never know. There's a sucker born every day. No, you're right. And all it takes is just one, as the old saying goes. And I admire the Nets for playing hardball. I mean, it's about time, right, that they've finally seen the mess that they've gotten themselves into and realized, no, you're not getting the long-term extension. They should stick to their guns here, you know, as they've set up until this point. Now, if you're Kevin Durant, remember, in the summertime, he wanted out, and he requested a trade. Now he sees this going on again. A, what is KD's mindset through this whole thing? And I'll throw this one at you in the same vein. If you're the Nets, how much thought do you really seriously consider just blowing this whole damn thing up and trading KD as well? Here's what I would tell you. Knowing KD the way that I do, KD has a migraine headache because KD wants no drama. All he wants to do is ball. All day, every day. He He don't want all of this mess. He don't want all of this noise. So just by the sheer fact that there's noise would irritate him to no end. That much is true. But it's in large part his fault because Brooklyn never wanted Kyrie Irving. They wanted Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant made it clear that if I'm coming, Kyrie is coming with me. And that's why Brooklyn has Kyrie Irving in their uniform. They never wanted Kyrie Irving because of these kind of reasons. That has always been the case. And so since this happened, in large part because Kevin Durant has given the okay by not being forceful enough and really holding Kyrie's feet to the fire, it's left the Brooklyn Nets in a quandary. Here's what I would tell you about Kevin Durant. Mm -hmm. When you say blow everything up, After this year, he's got three years left guarantees on the deal. I'm not trading Kevin Durant. And here's why I'm not trading him, Dan. Kevin Durant is a hooper. He will never cheat the game. He will never get on the court and give less than his all. He will never, ever fail to commit himself to playing the game of basketball. It's what he loves. It's all he knows. And so for me, knowing that I got a sensational player like him, whose commitment I never have to question. I'm not moving him unless somebody gives me the house. I mean, you got to give me a blockbuster deal that I simply can't refuse. You got to give me John Morant if you Memphis. You got to give me, you know, somebody like that. You got to give me a superstar. I'm not letting go of Kevin Durant for a bunch of good, 
solid, better than good all stars. No, because I know how great he is, and I know he'd be committed. He, he, he's great. And we're talking with Stephen A. Smith here, of course, 98.7 ESPN. But, but here's the reason why I say it. And, and, yes, you're correct. Still three more years on his contract, which means he's the furthest thing from a rental player, which means anytime you trade a guy with that much still on the deal, you should be getting something substantial in return, plus his talent, which is another variable to the whole thing. I just think, Steve, when I look at the Nets, and as we've watched this team with Kevin Durant as its core for the last five years, it's almost like they're a car stuck in neutral. Like, they're never going to move forward. They can maybe only move backwards. I just don't see this team winning a championship as the months and the years go by with Kevin Durant as its focal point. I just think it might be time to say, you know what, we tried. It's just not going to work for us. You're probably right, but you have to keep in mind their inability to capture a championship is not what you're holding against them. It's why. If they were getting to the conference finals, but they just weren't better than Boston, or they just weren't better than Milwaukee, Dan Grosser can live with that. Stephen A. Smith can live with that. The better team won. The issue is you haven't gotten to see the best of Brooklyn because of all the shenanigans that's been going on all four years. Kyrie's been there. But it's a long that's time. The problem. But it's a long time. I and agree like with how that. much how much do you keep kicking the can down the road? Like for example, let, let, like, you let's don't use, keep giving it. You don't keep giving it down on the road. You just, you just got to get rid of Kyrie. You, but then, but, but I'm also see. I would believe you if you and I were having this discussion before the summertime, and Kevin Durant didn't request a trade. Like, how do I know that he's not right. going to wake up and say, "I want another trade and want out of here"? Then well, you may not you have the leverage. Well, me, here's my answer to. Well, here's my answer to that question, Dan. What happened after he demanded the trade? He changed his mind, and he went on the court and averaged 30 and was an MVP candidate and he before got he got again. hurt. And he got hurt again. That's the other problem. He's, he gets, he's too fragile. You, I mean, we know this. Like, unfortunately, injuries well, well, have been well, a big part of his story the last five years. But, he, he, like, I was going to say, if you borrow a football analogy, like, look what happened with the Philadelphia Eagles and Howie Roseman. They gave Carson Wentz right. a contract extension. Right, he was the face of the franchise, and Carson Wentz played good football for a couple of years there. MVP caliber until he got hurt. Then they realized, you know what, we made a mistake, and he still went out there and drafted Jalen Hurts. And now he is the new flavor of the month, and they're one win away from a championship. So it's almost like admitting your mistake and not doubling down on it here because I'm going to go out there and try to fix it. Aren't the Nets almost in that same situation? But, then you would never say Kevin Durant was a mistake. Kevin Durant has done nothing to make you say he's a mistake. Other he's than not tolerate the mistake. Kyrie. It's almost right. guilt point, by, it's guilt got, by he, association. He okay, that's fine. But what I'm saying to you is that you're smarter than that. I'm smarter than that. This brother averaged 30. was a league MVP candidate. He was number two seed in the Eastern Conference when he was healthy. Yeah, he got hurt. Anybody would get hurt if they don't if they're standing there and Jimmy Butler falls into their knee while they're not looking. That happens. What I'm saying to you is that he's going to be back in a few weeks. Other than his Achilles tear, he had years ago he had an injury in, in Oklahoma City that cost him a season, and then obviously his first year in Brooklyn was compromised. For the most part, Kevin Durant is on the court, and for the most part, he's on the court when it counts. 
And when he's on the court, when it counts, he's usually doing his job. Last year against Boston, wasn't good enough. When he gave up a 3-1 lead to Golden State, that wasn't good enough. But when you look at his career averages in the regular season and the postseason, and you look at his commitment to playing the game, there's no question he was not, he's not a mistake. You just got to get an organization in place where you're like, wait a minute, we ain't tolerating the likes of Kyrie if this dude is going to be back and forth. Wow, but that has to be separated. And if you have to trade Kevin Durant, fine. Get the farm for him. Like, if I'm trading him hypothetically, if I'm trading Kevin Durant to Phoenix, and let's say, for example, they want Kevin Durant and Kyrie, well, you're going to give me Booker. You're going to give me Aiton. You're going to give me CP3. And you're going to give me a pick, at least. I want all of that from Phoenix. I don't think they'll do that because Devin Booker's family, he ain't going nowhere in their eyes. Mm -hmm. But that's what it would take to make something like that happen. Then you're talking, but you can't give him up for marginal players or, no. or fringe all-stars uh -uh. and stuff like that. You can't do that. No, this is this would be almost you know the equivalent of like the Herschel Walker trade with the Dallas Cowboys. You brought up the Cowboys. That that's what this would have to be like. Like this would have to shape your franchise right. and set it up again on the course to win a championship. Because you know the other problem that the Nets have here, and I said this earlier, the Nets. It seems like in their DNA they can combust and break down from within, self-inflicted. Those other teams in the East don't do that. You don't got to worry about that with Boston. You don't got to worry about that with Milwaukee. Hell, you don't even got to worry about that with Philadelphia, and they got James Harden on that roster. So that's the other thing I think going against this group right now. You're right. There's no argument there, and that's really the problem with them, which is why I get back to the idiocy of Kyrie's latest move because this latest you, – do you realize we were actually talking about the Nets as being contenders – and we were talking about Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant purely in ba on, on, on basketball levels. We weren't talking about anything else involving Kyrie Irving. He doesn't realize what he's done. All he's done is remind people that just take your time, be patient. He will do something to mess things up. This is what he did in Cleveland. It's what he did in Boston. It's yep. what he's done all four years in Brooklyn. There's always something. And no one was saying that about Kyrie for the last few months until today. I just hope for your sake Kyrie doesn't post any sort of book review for your new book because he's the last guy you want reviewing a movie, a book. or you know, We saw how well that worked out earlier this year. You know what I mean? I don't, I don't give a damn what Kyrie thinks or says. <laughs> my, job is to, my job is to call it like I see it. Um, I don't think he's a bad guy. I don't think he's an awful person or anything like that. But he consistently does stuff that makes you scratch your head and say, when will this dude get it? He's already cost himself $200 million. And because he couldn't keep his mouth shut or because he wanted to take uh, unpopular and unconventional uh, uh, choices and decisions and all of this other stuff and blame everybody else and act like everyone else that doesn't agree with him are peons. That's his choice. That's how he feels. But make no mistake about it. We ain't having Thanksgiving this Christmas together. We ain't exchanging Christmas gifts. I can give less than a damn what he thinks or how he feels. All I care about is that he's balling. And if he's not balling, I'm going to say how sad that is because he's a sensational player that we should all want to see play.
Thursday night, is he still a member of the Nets? Personally speaking, I think so. Um, I think so because if you're the Brooklyn Nets, you don't have to capitulate to him. He needs to get his money. Yep. And if he goes out on the court, if he doesn't get traded and he doesn't play, that will do more damage to his marketability than anything. Clearly, he was looking for a long-term extension. He needs them to facilitate making it happen. They haven't given him any inclination that they desire to do so. And he's trying to force their hand. Uh, I don't think they would capitulate to it. They might. They might. Because I think Phoenix, Dallas, uh, and various other teams are going to call and try to get them to do so. And who knows whether or not it will work. But it wouldn't surprise me at all if Brooklyn stood pat. I wouldn't blame them one bit. Because after the three years he's given them, if I'm Joe Sy and Sean Marks, I'm like, damn it, you're going to give me one. You're going to give me one good year. I don't give a damn what you say. You're going to give me this year, or I'm going to stand in your way every chance I get. What do you think about the Knicks before I let you go 53 games into the season? I think a nice little story this year. You've got to be relatively happy, no? I, I think, well, listen, I, I don't have any problem with the players. I think Jalen Brunson has been a tremendous pickup. I think he's done a sensational job. I think he's an all-star. I think that Dallas is going to rue the day they let him go and get away to the Knicks. <clears throat> Julius Randle, the only problem I have with Julius Randle is that I don't want the ball in his hands on the last play. I'm sick and tired of Tibbs giving him the ball. Give it to your decision-making, Jalen Brunson, and let him make something happen. Stop giving Julius Randle the damn ball to dribble between his leg a thousand times. Yeah. You know, a- acting like he's a shooting guard. Well, LeBron, they were Barrett, smart because Le- LeBron was on Brunson the other night at the end of the game. That's why they never gave the ball to Brunson. That's fine, but what I'm saying is give it to him and let him make the decision as to who he's going to get the ball to because we know Julius Randle ain't going to give it up. Jalen Brunson's a point guard. So, yes, he can score, and he's proven that, but at least he's a point guard, which means – his decision-making is primarily why he's just starting point guard. Give him the ball and see what he can give you. So that's just how I feel about it. But I would tell you that the Knicks have still been a solid story. They've been good, not great. They would be in the playoffs if the playoffs were to begin the day. They'd be in the playing game as the seventh seed. <clears throat> I can appreciate all of that. But at the end of the day, um, they're still going to go home because they made the fatal mistake of not acquiring Donovan Mitchell as well. Mm-hmm. And on that, I look at the front office. I look at James Dolan and his petulant tendencies. That's a turnoff to players and agents throughout this league. I look at Leon Rose, a person that I've known for over 20 years, who's a good man, but for some reason he comes to the garden and he's worse than Dolan. He's petrified of talking to the media, does nothing but in-house interviews, answers for nothing nor any decisions that he makes, Okay swears that they're trying to build a culture, asking us to be patient as if they've earned our patience, and you missed out on Donovan Mitchell. And I will remind you, Dan, Leon Rose is the president of basketball operations. Gershon Rojas mm-hmm. used to work in Minnesota before he was let go. Correct. That is who Leon Rose, he's a consultant. That is who Leon Rose had on the phone with Danny Ainge trying to get a Donovan Mitchell deal done. What the hell is that about? You're the president of basketball operations. Are you running the damn team or not? Are you negotiating deals or are you not? And on top of it all, that was in the aftermath of them being Bush League and showing up to the Dallas-Utah series 
to recruit Donovan Mitchell and Jalen Brunson like they back in college recruiting right. for Kentucky or something. Worldwide West. This is the NBA. Yeah. This is the NBA. And so that kind of Bush League nonsense is what gets on my nerves to no end. That is why I've boycotted the Garden this season because I know a lot of people in the organization who've been friends for years, and they know I will cuss them out if they approach me wrong. And so to avoid confrontation, I just decided that the only time I would go to Madison Square Garden is if ESPN makes me. Outside of that, I don't want to do it because, to me, the one thing that the New York Knicks do better than anybody in the NBA that they are champions of is harassing the media. Nobody harasses media more than the New York Knicks organization. They worry about headlines more than they worry about wins and losses. It's an embarrassment, and I'm disgusted by it, and that's why it's hard for me to even see the players beyond them. I'm proud of what the players are doing. They play hard. They go for it. They're respectable. But we all know they're going home by the first round at the latest, and we all know that the Knicks as an organization ain't going to attract any marquee talent because those talents know they would be coming to play for Dolan, and they're not going to want to do it. They got to get that superstar player. We're all in agreement on that. I didn't mean to get you all fired up. I just thought I'd ask you a nice question. They had a nice win last night. I, I didn't want to get you upset here on a Friday night. Jeez, I, I apologize. It ain't, it, it, ain't, it, ain't, it ain't fired up. It's just honesty, man. This is honesty. It's just, it's just what I got to live with as a Knicks fan. They know that we're going to love the Knicks, or the Knicks no matter what. And so they don't give a damn about the product that they give us or the juvenile tendencies they exercise that serve to embarrass and alienate players from coming to the team. My friend, I appreciate a couple of minutes. Turned into more than a couple of minutes, but I always love chatting with you. You know that. I'm happy for you with the success of the book and all that stuff. And uh, enjoy Arizona out there for the Super Bowl. We'll be talking soon, I'm sure. Thanks a lot, buddy. Always good to talk to you, man. Take care. All right, you'll be good. There's the great Stephen A. Smith joining us here. Had some good stuff to say. He doesn't pull any punches. That's why we love him. 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. We'll take some more calls. Plus, we got to get into the latest here with the Jets quarterback situation. Is Derek Carr potentially becoming a little bit more of a feasible option? We'll get into those fragments coming up next. Dan Grasso Show, 98.7 ESPN. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. <laughs> They're trying too hard, but you got to do something. The best thing I like about the Hockey All-Star game is the game is Saturday and the NHL starts up again on Monday night, which is great. Devils play, Islanders play, Rangers play. Fantastic. So not much of a gap in between the game and then starting the season because that's it, like these All-Star games are, are like bittersweet. I hate when the they hit the pause button like right in the middle of the season. That's the only good part about the Pro Bowl with football is that it happens at the end, right? Pretty much all the heavy lifting is done already. So that's what we got going on here as far as our sports are concerned. And again, coming up at 9 o'clock, you want to stay tuned for this one if you're a football fan and a Jet fan. Jeff Lagerman's going to join me, former Jet, but for the last, got to be almost 25 years, he's been the uh, radio analyst for the Jacksonville Jaguars. He was there. He saw up close and personal that 2017 season with the Jaguars when they went all the way to the AFC Championship game. Paul uh, Nathaniel Hackett was the offensive coordinator. They had a top-10 offense. Get into that, why they were so successful then, how it's going to translate over to the Jets. And he also saw the two teams playing in the Super Bowl up close this year. Jacksonville played Philly. They played Kansas City twice. So a little bit of a breakdown as far as Super Bowl 57 
is concerned as well. Let's go back to the phones. Let's say hi to Jason in PA. He's up next here on 98.7 ESPN. Jason, what's going on? Hey, Dan. How you doing, buddy? Love what's up, show. Jay? How's uh, things? I just, I'm all right. I just wanted to defend KD a little bit on the whole him leaving Stephen Curry. I've been with Stephen A. from the jump when what I felt like it was the weakest move of from a superstar leaving a team, you know, that uh, to, to join the team that he was beating three to one in the playoffs, and, and you know, and he went to join them. Now, I felt mm-hmm. like that was like such a weak move. So, all right. Well, not only that, and think and remember, remember what Draymond Green did to his teammate in that series. Yeah, that, that was probably played a fact as well. But he went to, you know, he got his titles. So I feel like now his job was done then. So I feel like now he wants to build his legacy, you know, on the whole winning a championship with his own team. So I feel like, you know, if whoever criticized him for, for joining them, you know, like me, because I felt like that was me, mm-hmm. you know, he had to go to his own team. So he went to Brooklyn, joined Kyrie. I'm pretty sure he did not expect Kyrie to be living in his old world and let him down like this. And um, I felt like, you know, he he wasn't expecting this. So, you know, he, he, and um, so I can't be a hypocrite and kill him for that, you know, for leaving for leaving Golden State. Now, um, I feel like, uh, well, yeah, that was my point. Like, I feel like everybody. Well, no, see, J- Jay, you can leave him because I feel like he had to build his own. He, you know, build his legacy, win his own, you know, win the championship with his own team, quote unquote. You know what I'm well, saying? That- well, the thing with – remember the thing with him, Jason, and what everybody was saying, and I thank you for the phone call, my friend, is that, you know, people like the TNT guys earlier this year, remember Barkley was getting a lot of flack because, you know, he was talking about, you know, guys that drive the bus and stuff like that. You know, KD walked into Golden State, and you want to say that was taking the easy way out, whatever. It was kind of weak at the time. But he did win two championships. He did win two finals MVPs. So he kind of validated the decision to go to the Warriors. And I'll tell you, if he didn't get hurt that last go-round against Toronto, I still think they beat the Raptors, too, even without Klay Thompson. If Kevin Durant was healthy and Klay Thompson was out, I think the Warriors still find a way to beat the Raptors. And then he gets himself another championship. But the decision to go to Brooklyn, it's just what I'm trying – like the reason I kept going at it with Stephen A about just wiping the slate clean and blowing the whole thing up – I don't own the team. Breaking news, I don't own the Brooklyn Nets. But if I did, if I was the one who had to watch over this drama and this garbage for the better part of four or five years, I would be at the point right now, just knowing me, I would say, I'm done. I'm done. I don't want to look at any of them anymore. Get rid of them all. And then start this thing up from the ground and see how much equity we could get back in return because Kevin Durant has value. I'm not saying anything about Kevin Durant, the basketball player, just like Stephen A. I, he's, he's one of the all-time greats. He's phenomenal. But if you're going to make difficult decisions and you're going to tear this thing down, you have to make tough choices like that because those are the type of guys that are going to bring you the most in return. Right? So you don't want to trade to Kevin Durant, but sometimes you got to if you're going to get a lot back because that could then set you on the fast track to maybe being relevant once again. The way this team is presently constituted, it's not happening. And I am not of the belief that just by exiting Kyrie Irving and ridding him finally, 
is going to change things all that significantly. It just seems like there's too much bad karma with the organization. There's too much bad vibes. Like, you got to wipe it clean. Call in the cleaning crew, an outside cleaning crew. Have them come in in their hazmat suits and sanitize that entire place. Start from scratch. Because this team ain't winning. They're not. Nick in New Jersey, he's up next here on 98.7 ESPN. Nick, how we doing? Damn, what's up, my man? It's Nick Brooks. How are you? Nick, what's up? How we doing? I'm good, man. I saw I was listening to your banter with Stephen A. Man, I had to call for my two cents in. He's like my favorite. So Dude, I, had to I haven't heard from you in a while. You doing all right? I'm hanging in there, man. Trying to survive adulting. Am I gonna before I before we talk about Kyrie Irving? Am I gonna see you tomorrow at the Garden, Dude. Dan Grasso? Dude, tell, let me let me. I'll tell you the story. All right. So Rutgers is playing Michigan State tomorrow at Madison Square Garden. There's still tickets available. Everybody that wants to go, go support the team. The other night, I'm looking and I'm like, you know what? I, I should be there because I can't get down to the rack with my schedule. It's too – like, I, no, I can't get to a home game. It's killing me. So I'm like, they're playing at the Garden. It's a Saturday afternoon. Let me go. So I go on Ticketmaster. There's tickets. There's good tickets. I'm like, I'm going to buy them. What time is the game? I'm thinking the game is at, like, 4 o'clock. I'm like, perfect. I'll go. And then I see it's a 12 o'clock tip-off. I says, you got to be kidding me. I got the show tomorrow till 12 o'clock. So it defeats the purpose. So, no, I'm not going to be able to be there. It bums me out, but I will be watching from my couch, wearing my gear, and rooting the team on. Yeah, I, I completely understand, man. I'm a game-time decision, too. I might have to work tomorrow, too. So don't worry. I'm in the same boat. I, 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 I don't, I, normally, like, I thought they'd have the game later in the afternoon or something. I'm sh- well, no, the Knicks are playing tomorrow night. That's why. Shoot. That's why it's a 12 yeah. o'clock game. A couple of years ago, when we played Juwan Howard in Michigan at the Garden, it was an early tip-off, like a 12 o'clock game, too. <laughs> I remember that. That was an ugly game, wasn't it? Like, that was yeah. – yeah, I remember we, we didn't yeah. beat Michigan that whole year. I hated that. I hated that. Yeah, let, with them. Let, we're, damp, we're dampering the mood with that. Let, yeah, let, yeah, we're, we're good now. Forget it. That, yeah, exactly. Yeah, forget that. But, um, hey, man, I wanted to call you and uh, uh, just give you my two cents on Kyrie. The first time I met Kyrie, I was 12 years old. I'm from New Jersey. I've been born right. and raised here my entire life. You're a he is a great. He is a great human being. Like, one of the best role models a kid like myself who was growing up in New Jersey trying to play basketball and make it could ask for. But I'm going to be brutally honest, man. Like, with every passing day and every passing month, it gets harder and harder for me to defend him in these types of conversations, if I'm being brutally honest. It's hard because if you're trying to build the team concept, it seems like you have guys pulling in one direction and you have a big or like Kyrie, who's pulling in another direction. And that doesn't make the boat go the one way you want it to. And I think that it's, Nick, it's not just one incident, it's multiple. And it's just like the same old, same old, same old. You know, and it's like, how many more times are we going to continue to go down this road? It's time to cut bait. It really is. No, you're right. You're right. And, I mean, it's it's hard because, you know, I think Kyrie Irving is the best point guard in the NBA, not Steph Curry over the last 10 years. Ever since 2015, you really can't, you really can't give me another point guard who's been that good when they are available, when they're on the court, other than Steph Curry, not named Kyrie Irving. And it, it's 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 sad to hear, man. Like I just read earlier today, uh, I think Shams with Bleacher Report said that the negotiations started off with 
the Brooklyn Nets basically presenting Kyrie an offer saying, look, like, let's worry about winning a championship this year because we have an honest shot to come out of the East once Katie comes back. And then we'll talk about contract negotiations in July when the contract's up, you know, like everybody, like everybody normally would. Right. And apparently the response that they got back from him and his team was like, yeah, we're not trying to hear that. <laughs> either we extend, either we talk contract extension now or trade me at the deadline or get nothing for me come free agency. I really hope that's not true, man, because that, that's might, heartbreaking. Nick, it might be. It, it might be. Uh, Nick, thanks for calling, my friend. I'll talk to you soon, all right? Thanks for checking in. All right, all right man. Be safe. All right, be good. There's Nick Brooks, my good buddy, played at Rutgers. Great guy. Um, it's about the money. And everything that Nick said is right. I mean, the, the dude is talented as all hell. But if you can always or if you can only just separate the drama from the basketball, then it'll be a perfect situation. But the drama always finds its way back in. And right now, I, I, I said it over the summer. You could go back and you could find the shows. I said it over the summer. This is exactly how I thought it would play out. At some point or another, because it was his contract year, he would have discussions or his people would have discussions with the Nets behind the scenes and try to get a massive extension. When the Nets were not willing to bite, this was going to be the outcome. And here we are. And now the ball's in the Nets court by Thursday at 3 o'clock. What are they going to do? 800-919-3776. Jeff Lagerman on Nathaniel Hackett and the Jets coming up at the top of the hour. Dan Gross' show, 98.7 ESPN. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. Headlines tonight here with Kyrie Irving most notably. Real quickly on Derek Carr. You know, because we spent a lot of the week talking about Aaron Rodgers. And the likelihood that he could possibly be moving east to the New York Jets and be their quarterback and all the potential hurdles and complications that go along with that. As far as Derek Carr is concerned, he's at the Pro Bowl in Vegas, and he's been doing some interviews the last couple of days. We'll share some of that sound with you a little bit later on in the show there. But if you've been keeping up with it, you know that February the 15th is the deadline, which is 12 more days from now. That the Oakland, the Oakland, the Vegas Raiders kind of are adhering to a little bit. Because February 15th, Derek Carr's contract becomes guaranteed. $40.4 million specifically. It's $32.9 million in 2023, which is the $33 million cap hit. $7.5 million in salary in 2024. However, however, the residual cap hits are the ones that really hurt. Because the cap hit for this year is 33. Cap hit for 24 is $42 million and then $41.3 million in 25 because the options keep getting spread out. And that's where, uh, or the, excuse me, the signing bonuses were spread out. And that's how you arrive at that number. So the Raiders don't want that to be guaranteed. Something has got to happen before February 15th. He either gets traded or he gets cut. Adam Schefter reporting that the Raiders have given Derek Carr and his camp permission to talk to teams. However, it's given them permission after the Raiders have worked out compensation with said team about a potential trade. Here's the problem. Raiders haven't worked out compensation yet with any team. So Derek Carr right now can't talk to anybody. You know, he's still sitting there twiddling his thumbs because it's counterproductive. So if the Raiders and let's just say the Jets, for an example, if they agree to terms on something, then Carr and his camp can talk to the Jets 
about possibly working out salary figures if they're going to try to tinker with things to see how it best fits the team cap going into the season. And look, something has got to give. Something's got to happen. This isn't one thing about the NFL. They're unlike baseball in the sense that even though it's Super Bowl week, that doesn't stop the NFL from making news. Does it? We've seen blockbuster trades happen, even though they don't become official until March, but we've seen the blockbuster trades get reported during Super Bowl week. We've seen coaches hired during Super Bowl week, fired during Super Bowl week. It doesn't matter. Baseball's the only one that seems like it has, like, the gentleman's agreement that they don't announce news. Like, none of these teams make news during the World Series. Like, God forbid during those couple of weeks. Like, no manager could be hired, no manager. Like, nothing sizable is going to happen during the World Series. But football, they say the hell with it. So, before that game kicks off next Sunday, might have a new quarterback for the Jets. Never know. You never know. Uh, Israel, Brooklyn, up next here on 98.7 ESPN. Israel, how you doing? Yeah, hi. How are you? Good. What's going on? I'm uh, calling to comment on the uh, Kyrie Irving situation. Yep. I think that we're paying far too much attention to Kyrie. I think Kyrie is a malignant, malicious, selfish, self-centered player. He doesn't belong on a basketball team because a basketball team is a team and not an individual. This goes back even to college at Duke. He never played one game during the season and screwed up in the uh, cha- in the playoffs uh, in the NCAA championship. Well, he game. got hurt. I don't think he's. I don't think. Uh, you know what? He stayed out all season. I don't know about being hurt. I think it's a convenient thing with Kyrie. He doesn't show up when it's important to show up. And and quite frankly, this whole issue, even with him supporting that uh, anti-Semitic movie, okay. Quite frankly, if a white guy supported a movie that said slavery didn't exist, he would have been walked out of the NBA. As far as I'm concerned, Kyrie doesn't deserve to be in the NBA and doesn't deserve to be in Brooklyn. And it's time everybody just said, goodbye, Kyrie. You're all about yourself. Well, Israel, I'll tell you this, and and I thank you for the phone call. And and look, the NBA, the Nets, they took the stand seriously about that whole thing with the Amazon movie because he did get suspended for, if I remember, what, eight games, if I want to say? You know, so he did pay for that. I think his days are numbered in Brooklyn. And this is even without his own doing. Even without the trade request that came down earlier today. I I do not think he is going to be a member of this team next year. This was even before today. Now the question becomes, and, and we've kicked this around for the last two hours, if you're the Nets, regardless of what you think of the player, And even though that he's worn out his welcome and all these other things, if you were the Nets, you are a business, okay? How do you best operate your business for the remainder of the season? Is it more beneficial to you having Kyrie Irving on your team? Because as we've pointed out, he wants to get paid. He wants a max contract. That's not happening in Brooklyn. So if you're Kyrie, the best chance for you to keep your stock as high as possible is to play good basketball and not cause any disruptions off the court for the remainder of the season. If the Nets make the playoffs, which they're going to, if they make the playoffs and they go on a run in the postseason and Kyrie plays really, really well, that's his best shot 
of cashing in like he wants in the offseason. I don't know who that team is that's going to give him money. Stephen A. kicked around a couple of possibilities. He threw out Phoenix, for example. He even threw like a Minnesota out there, but some things have to happen. A lot is going to have to fall into place here, but the Nets are going to have to look themselves in the mirror and make a decision that if you decide to call Kyrie's bluff and keep him around for the rest of the year and essentially say, hey, man, you want to get paid? Then go play ball this year and cut out all the nonsense. But can they really put all their faith and all their stock in that? Because with Kyrie, it just seems like drama is always lurking around every single bend. John and Glenn Cove, let's say hi to him real quick. Johnny, how are you? Hey, Dan, what's going on, buddy? Hey, hey John. Uh, listen, uh, I think that this is a situation that's actually a blessing in disguise. Um, get rid of the Kyrie. Is, you have to trade him by the deadline to get some compensation for him. Um, you cannot in any situation trade Kevin Durant. This guy comes along once every 20 years. You have him for another, was it three seasons, Dan? Three seasons, yep, after this. Three seasons. Okay, so if you look at the UFA class, D'Angelo Russell's a free agent. Uh, Toronto's looking to break up their team. Zach Levine's looking to be moved with Chicago. The Nets come back next year. You have D'Angelo Russell, Zach Levine, and Kevin Durant. That team can compete. What's your thoughts? I don't know if that's getting you to the promised land, John. Here's what I think with the Nets, and I thank you for the phone call. You're not going to be able to replace the talent for Kevin Durant. He's one of the top two, three most talented players in the sport. We know that. The only way you're replacing a guy like that is you're going to have to go superstar with superstar in a trade. That's it. And I don't know who that guy is, and I don't know if that guy is available right now in NBA circles. Now, we'll get back to this a little bit later on. When we come back, Jet fans, football fans, I think you're going to like this conversation. To catch up with Jeff Lagerman, he's a former Jet, but for the last 20-plus years, he's been the Jaguars radio analyst. He's seen Nathan Nathaniel Hackett up close when he was calling the plays as the offensive coordinator for the Jaguars, helped him get to the AFC Championship game, top 10 offense. We'll see what the Jets are getting in their new play caller. That's coming up next. Dan Gross, another 60 right here on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. <laughs>